17 of the MLF Bass Fishing Podcast in Shaftesbury, Vermont. I'm Jody White, joined, uh, as always, from sunny Norwalk, Iowa, by the one and only Kyle Wood. Yeah, buddy. What's our uh, sunniness status today? Uh, Non-existent sun, definitely clouds, a lot of north wind. Okay, okay. Got a little front um, moving through, but uh, it's going to clear out by the weekend. Sun will be back, and uh, so will like fifty degree weather. So it's looking looking pretty prime in the uh, coming days. Nice. Well, I am definitely. It feels uh, it, here in Vermont. It's like fifty something right now, and it feels so like spring. Like I am ready to go, baby. <laughs> I want to start, I want to go outside and like start rigging a transducer and like seeing if my boat still works. Like I want to go fish now. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, but I guess I have some waiting to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit, but probably not terribly long, right? Like I know around here, um, I bet we'll start having some open water on some smaller ponds and little reservoirs probably in the next two weeks. I mean, this will sound kind of crazy, but honestly, I bet if I wanted to, like on Monday, I could put the boat in on Champlain. Whoa. I bet I could find a place. Now, I would probably have to run a little ways to get to where I thought there were going to be fish, and the water would probably be about 36 degrees, 35 (laughs) degrees. But, you know, theoretically, you know, the middle of Champlain didn't really ever freeze. So, you know, Hmm. I'm not a... I'm holding out hope for an early start to the year. I like it. Uh, but this weekend I am going to ice fish, so not that early, I guess. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, we have a pretty good show. We have a very classic uh, derby-focused show. You know, the season is well underway. We have too many tournaments, as always. And uh, I guess we should pretty much just dive into it, eh? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, there's not a whole lot of beating around the bush on this because we got some stuff to cover. All right, well, in that case, here is our interview. It's uh, Christian Greco. We talk about, you know, sort of the uh, start of his rookie campaign, uh, some Florida fishing, YouTube, a uh, number of things. And uh, then, Kyle, you and I will be right back to break down some derbies. Alrighty, and now we are joined by Christian Greco uh, out of Florida. He is a rookie on the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit this year. Just made a top, well, made a top 25 and uh, I guess a top 10 at Okeechobee probably. I should triple check that. But uh, either way, man, thanks for coming on the show and congrats on a good start to the year. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Jody. And uh, Okeechobee actually ended up finishing 17th in that one. Okay. See, that's the peril of having 25 guys fish on the final day. You can bad things can happen. <laughs> yeah, bad things can happen if you're at the top and good things can happen if you're coming down from the bottom. Yeah, I think the guy I think the co-angler at one started the day in 12th place, so it obviously super worked out for him. Um, yeah, definitely. But I figured we'd sort of start off here and go back in time a little bit. Um, you have been fishing 
you really have not been fishing big events for that long, at least not with us. And I don't know how old you are, but you seem pretty young. <laughs> um, but in 2021, you fished the Southern Division of the Toyota Series. You finished sixth, qualified yep. for the Pro Circuit, and now you're a pro. So, like, I guess tell me about 2021 and deciding to take that next step. Was it kind of a foregone conclusion that you were going to do it, or did you have to really think long and hard because it happened so fast? Yeah, no, everything really just happened so fast. Uh, ended up fishing the Toyota Series in 2021 as well as the Bassmaster Opens uh, just to kind of see how it stack up on, on that little on that next level of fishing. And uh, obviously worked out pretty well for me in the, in the Toyota Series and got the opportunity to move up to the pro circuit and got some great sponsors on board that allowed me to make it happen. So we just went for it. Cool. Had, uh, how did you do in the opens? How was, like, was it just two polar opposite seasons or did you do, like, pretty well there? You know what I mean? Cause it, yeah, it was, it was pretty opposite seasons. The, the opens, it seemed like every, every event there, I kind of struggled a little bit. Uh, never really bombed a tournament. It was pretty consistent, but just never, never had that really great finish on the opens. Okay. Yeah, it's a, the, it seems to me the opens are generally, like, a little bit harder than the Toyota series just because I feel like more people put more time into them like yeah, the, Toyota, the, <laughs> the Toyota series you always get a big crop of locals but they don't spend like three weeks on the water leading up to the event you know what I mean yeah uh, they just kind of show up and fish them <laughs> yeah uh but dude you did really well in the Toyota series you uh you know you did well in all the tournaments and they were all places you'd been but you also made a top 10 of the Harris chain and caught like something gigantic out of a popka right that first day yeah i caught one that was 9 12 uh and that fish was actually uh, a tagged fish that they had as part of a fwc program down there on like a popka uh they tagged one fish at the time that they had shocked it it was actually about 12 and a half pounds i think is what they said oh my goodness um, and that was that was like the prized fish for the program with five thousand dollars attached to it if you caught it and uh, that ended up being that one fish. It, it was a post-spawner, so it ended up being 9-12. Uh, but I got that $5,000 prize from it, and that, that helped me make a top 10 in that tournament, too. Sweet. Um, so was that the only fish, like, in the lake that was tagged, and you caught it? Uh, or? No. So they tagged, I think they tagged about 200 bass. That was the biggest one, okay, and that, that was the, the one that had the, the $5,000 prize attached to it. Huh. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, I guess amazing odds that you would catch that fish, but also like, gosh, catching a nine pounder in a tournament is something it's incredible, you know? Yeah, it is. And yeah, Apopka is the third largest lake in Florida. So to be able to catch that one fish that they tagged is pretty special. No doubt. Um, when you were, uh, when, when you were making the decision to fish the pro circuit this year, you know, it, it looks to me like it looks like things have started out pretty well. You know, you did, I would say, pretty well at Rayburn. I watched your, I watched all your YouTube stuff, and I was like, oh, thank God, this Florida <laughs> kid is fishing offshore. And he's like, you know, you didn't, fin- you didn't finish triple digits. This is, like, kind of impressive. Um, and, uh, you know, how are you feeling about about it so far? I'm feeling really good about this season. Uh, you know, Rayburn, I didn't have a great finish, but I definitely had the bite to do well there. I lost one really big one that, 
probably would have been the difference between 30 or 40 spots and, and really finishing that tournament with a solid, a solid start. But, uh, yeah, I mean, happy to have a limit both days, kind of start off the year pretty good and really looking forward to getting out on Harris chain. For sure. For sure. That was – that Harris chain, you know, we have like a ton of Florida guys in the on the uh, pro circuit this year. But, man, it seems like the Harris chain is going to be a really good opportunity for someone. And there's like a number of, you know, pretty young Florida guys or kind of newer guys who, man – if it clicks right, you could really, you could really jumpstart a rookie campaign. It feels like. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, tell me about Okeechobee. Uh, you know, you rolled down there. You did great the first two days. How were how were you catching them? What was the deal? Yeah, so Okeechobee. I actually wasn't even signed up for that tournament until after Rayburn. I uh, wasn't quite sure if I was going to add in the Toyota series or not to my schedule this year really wanted to focus on the pro circuit and didn't want to stretch myself out too thin, but uh, ended up on the way home from uh, from Raver and deciding that I was just going to go down to Okeechobee and fish that tournament. And uh, so signed up on Monday, got down there, started practicing, and uh, the bite was really tough in practice. Everyone I was talking to had been there for a couple of days already saying they'd only been catching one or two fish a day. Uh, we had a massive cold front, which these Florida fish don't like, so kind of spent my time... Um, in spawning areas and uh, flipping mats back in the back of those spawning areas and where I was able to find my fish and caught them all punching mats the first two days and that bite was pretty good but by the third day we had some warming temperatures I think a lot of those fish pushed out to spawn and I was a little bit late on that. Hmm. Have it feels like you are just uh it feels like you punch a lot and maybe <laughs> that's just a Florida thing or maybe it's a you thing what's the story? It's definitely a Florida thing. I think I do it a lot more than, than most people, though. Um, that's kind of what I look for most most of the time. And if I can get on that bike, get it dialed in, I feel like I'm pretty hard to beat. Okay. What uh, what are some keys to it? Like, why? What What do you think separates you? Is it just that you look for it a lot, or do you feel like do you feel really confident in certain aspects of it? Yeah, I'm just really confident doing it. I think I kind of push it a lot more than other people do. I'll kind of spend a lot more time doing it i mean i'll i'll get down to mat line and flip it for a couple of miles just looking to see where those fish are concentrated at and uh if you can find that area where they're at it can be pretty good so i've made a lot of money uh fishing some of these bigger tournaments and a lot of a lot of tournaments in florida uh punching mats and kind of doing the flipping thing is really i've done really well did anyone teach you how to do that or did you just kind of learn by osmosis like how did you come up in fishing <laughs> I really just learned fishing on, on my home river, the Hillsborough River. Um, through high school, I'd go out there. I actually homeschooled in high school, so I had a lot more free time to get out and fish. And uh, would just get out there on that river, and there's a lot of mats out there. And kind of that there are. to do it out there. Yeah, that would be definitely a good place to learn because, man, there are a lot of mats there. I fished it one time. It's yeah. like the most... It's like one of the most beautiful looking bodies of water I've ever seen in my life from a yeah. fishing perspective. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, yeah it's, it's got a lot of great cover in it and kind of unexpected being kind of right there in the middle of Tampa, a big city, but it's a really great, place, really great place to fish out there. Yeah, that was the only thing I didn't like about it was I could almost always hear cars going by and you yeah. know, out on Champlain, <laughs> like you can kind of get in the middle of nowhere a little bit. You don't really, you can be the only person there you know right 
I was like, this is a lot a lot more civilization than I'm used to, but I guess that's kind of the deal with Florida. It feels like everywhere you go, there's, except like Okeechobee, there's like except traffic Okeechobee, or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool, cool. Um, so if you kind of started, if you, let's see, homeschooled through high school, you yep. kind of taught yourself how to fish. Um, how, how old are you now and like when... How old were you when you started fishing your first tournaments? Yeah, I'm 23 right now. Uh, I fished my first bass tournament when I was in seventh grade. I think I was 13 that time uh, with the Tampa Bay Junior Bass Club. They had just started up a new club in Tampa. And, uh, actually won that tournament, my first ever bass tournament. Caught a seven-pounder as my PB nice. up to that point. And uh, from that point on, I just kind of fished junior tournaments, high school tournaments. Uh, didn't really get into the college fishing thing. Went to University of South Florida here in Tampa and uh, tried to get a bass team started there, but kind of had some difficulties with the school getting getting one started. And uh, really just ended up fishing BFLs and ABAs and local events down here. Yeah, it, which, like, not everywhere has a great, like, sort of, you know, single-A fishing kind of situation. You know, it's like it feels like Florida is one of those places where like a lot of people fish the ABAs, a lot of people fish the BFLs and like there's pretty good numbers and there's like a good level of competition in those. So that's probably a pretty good training ground. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, a type tournaments as well, where you're, you're fishing for yourself. you got to go and learn the back, but I mean, as the boater, you're making all the decisions and everything. It's a good training ground as well to, to jump up to the next level. For sure. Um, when you, like, sort of did that next level, even in 2021, you know, you fished as a co-angler a little bit at Gunnersville. Um, in 2020, you fished as a co-angler, uh, which was just at Okeechobee. Like, did you feel like those were valuable experiences for you? Looking back, would you try to fish more as a co-angler? Like, how was that? Because that's one thing that, you know, with, with the FLW Tour it used to always be that you could kind of spot some up-and-coming pros by how good they were as a co-angler. Like, you know, we saw Brian New coming a mile away. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. What yeah, was I mean, that? Definitely have... yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, you hit no, you, can definitely... <laughs> you can definitely have some good experience as a co-angler, uh, fishing with different guys and kind of experiencing some new things. Um, I fished in... 2018, I believe, was my first year fishing the BFLs. I did that as a co-angler that first year, um, just to kind of see how the, the tournaments ran and and uh, get my foot in the door there, kind of see how the BFLs ran, how launch worked and all that kind of stuff. Um, ended up winning co-angler of the year that year, and it was a really good learning experience, but I really felt like I could step up to the front of the boat and do well. Um, going out to New Lakes, it's really, it is worth it fishing as a co-angler just to to see the new bodies of water and kind of see how other people fish it. Um, but there's also a lot of great, great keys to fishing as a boater too, kind of getting out there on your own and figuring it out. Yeah. Like I feel like learning how to practice and learning a lot of the decision-making stuff, you, some of that you have to learn by doing, you can't necessarily just watch someone and assume that you're for sure going to learn it all. You know what I mean? Yeah, jumping up to the boater side, you definitely, get a lot better at decision making and, and practicing and kind of kind of making those decisions on where you want to fish are you going to go for a limit are you going to go for those big fish and uh 
just making decisions on the fly on the water. Cool. What, uh, like, you know, looking at this year, what did you set for your goals? Because I'm sure you, I'm sure you didn't just say, well, I'll see what, I'll do it and see what works out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really my main goal for this year is, is to grow my YouTube channel. Um, however that looks, obviously doing well in tournaments kind of is a good way to boost that. Uh, but the way that the bass fishing industry is going right now, stepping up your social media game is huge with the sponsors and uh, growing my YouTube channel has definitely been the number one focus for me. All right. That's really interesting. Um, a lot of times, you know, I guess a lot of times you would, someone would say, well, I want to win rookie of the year or I want to, you know, make the title or something. Um, yeah. How have you found? Yeah, that, I mean, rookie of, the, rookie of the year is definitely a goal of mine as well. Um, but I'm looking a little bit more long term and, and really growing my social media presence. I think I think it's going to get me a lot further than just winning a rookie of the year and going on to the next season. And that's kind of in the rear view. I like it. Well, it seems like it's doing like pretty well. You've got like six thousand subscribers. You know, it seems like you get like kind of a lot of views from a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. My channel's been doing really well lately. What's uh? How have you? I guess, how do you balance fishing and having time to also do the YouTube stuff? Because you've done it for a while now, but it, it seems to me like a tremendous amount of work. Like, do you have someone that helps you? Do you do everything yourself? What's your situation? No, yeah, I do everything 100% myself as far as the editing and filming and everything. Uh, film all, most of it on GoPros. I got a Canon that I do some intro-outro type stuff on. But, uh, yeah, as far as the editing and everything, uh, after the tournaments, in between tournaments, go home, edit the videos. And uh, it's definitely a lot more work. You know, at the end of the day, I'm sitting there on my laptop importing all the footage from the day while everyone else I'm staying with usually is rigging up rods and eating dinner and everything. So it definitely adds a lot more work, but, but it's worth it for sure. Yeah. Do you, like, just dump all your footage at the end of the day and then clip it later on? Or do you, like, clip yeah. it at the end of the day? Okay, you do it. No, you... yeah, I just dump it all at the end of the day. And uh, after the tournament, I'll go back and, and look through all the clips, kind of save where the fish catches are, and then edit it all together and make a video. I like it. My other question, and Florida is maybe, like, one of the dream places to do this because a lot of Florida looks kind of the same. Do you worry about showing stuff where, like, do you worry about showing spots or baits or things like that? Or do you just figure that the long-term outcome is going to be, if I have, the long-term outcome is worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just looking at it long-term. I mean, it's definitely been somewhat of a struggle. You know, people will recognize the spots and you'll try to go fish it another time and there'll be all, all kinds of boats on it. So it's definitely something that happens, you know, everyone's out there watching the YouTube videos, trying to get spots for their next tournament. So you just kind of have to keep fishing around and finding new areas. Yeah. When I, when I typed in Christian, uh, Christian Greco into, into YouTube, <clears throat> the first thing that came up was Harris, it was Christian Greco. Harris chain. Chain. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. I get, I get, I get so many messages on Instagram and stuff about, about Harris chain. Um, I actually haven't even been to Harris Chain since that Toyota I fished where I caught that nine pounder. So I haven't been able to help, help anyone out. I haven't even been out there. Cool. What's your, uh, what's your favorite part about, uh, doing the YouTube stuff and like how long have you been messing around with it? 
Uh, I've been doing the YouTube thing for about two years. Um, really in the past years where I've been really consistent at it and really making an effort to film every tournament, film all my practices, um, and really be consistent on my uploads. I, I try to put out two videos a week if I can. At minimum, I'll put out at least one video a week, whether it be actual fishing or whether it be some kind of tackle tips. Um, but people definitely like watching the, the tournament videos, so I try to fish and film as many tournaments as I can and make videos out of those. Okay. What's your favorite video that you've made so far? Like, if someone's going to dive in and watch the first one, where should they start? Uh, I would say that Harris Chain Toyota video is probably one of my best videos. Um, that's a, a three-day tournament, about a 30-minute video. You get a lot of fishing action in. I catch that big one and uh, kind of walk through the whole tournament. So I would say that one. And that one's titled, I Caught the Rarest Fish in the Lake. <laughs> I think me, me I don't know if I've stage. <laughs> yeah I don't think I've watched that whole video but I've seen I've watched that fish catch like at least a couple of times because uh, you know <laughs> nine pounders are cool <laughs> yeah definitely that's uh that's cool did I guess you have you probably haven't fished a ton of like three day tournaments do you know to, do you think that Let's say you start making cuts like pretty regularly. Do you think that is gonna stress your production more, having more footage to go through, or do you feel like you've kind of got it down enough where you know you could you could be more successful on the water in these bigger events and still keep doing the YouTube? Yeah, I think I have it pretty down pat um, on how to do it. I don't, I don't think any extra days on the water is really gonna affect affect what I can put out there as far as content. I think it'll actually only make it better. Okay. Now, I guess the other question is, do you think other people should do this? Because I feel like there's some pro anglers who've been really successful at it. You know, B-Let's an example. Matt Steffen is, like, crushing it on YouTube. But there's probably a lot of guys who run a GoPro and don't really do anything with it. Is this a thing everyone should do, or what's your vibe? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're trying to fish professionally and and work with sponsors and stuff, I would say it's, it's definitely something you should be looking at, should be doing. Um, for any of the younger anglers listening, I would definitely suggest getting started in it, learn how to edit videos, uh, learn how to be efficient on social media, and it'll, it'll help you a lot in the long run. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense, for sure. Um, let's see. What do you think we're going to see at the Harris Chain coming up here? I don't know if you've been watching any Bass Live. I've been watching a little bit, but... That's our next tournament. It seems like it might be one of the biggest weight tournaments of the year if we hit it right, you know, if we get lucky. what What's your vibe? Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of big bass caught. Um, you know, Harris Chain always puts them out. It really doesn't matter what time of year you go there. There's there's that potential of catching a 30-plus pound bag. But mid-March could get really good. You could see some a lot of 30-plus pound bags. What's the – you say mid-March. Like, what kind of phase do we, do we expect – is that in Florida? Is mid March generally like post spawn? Uh, is it still uh, fish little, on beds? You get, a little bit of, you get a little bit of everything in mid March. Uh, there'll be a lot of fish that have already spawned. Uh, you'll have a lot of fish spawning, and then you'll also have a lot of a lot of post spawners. So you can you can get out there and kind of fish for all three stages of the spawn. Uh, it's going to depend what kind of weather we get leading up to the event, whether it's going to be a full out spawn or not. I think a lot of the fish have already spawned this year. It's been pretty warm down here. I think we had a lot of fish spawning even even last year, late last year. All right. What's uh? 
What's kind of been your favorite time of year to fish in Florida? Because obviously you've got the ability to fish it year-round. Is If you were saying, hey, this is when you should come fish in Florida, when should people come? I tend to like the, the early winter just because you can get on a good mat punching bite. Um, but probably February to March is going to be your best time as far as catching big fish. Okay. I feel like on Okeechobee, uh, the McMillans are always like, oh, no, you, you always come too early. Like, it should be, like, we should always come <laughs> in March or April or something mm-hmm. like that. And, yeah, uh, January is a little bit too early to really hit Okeechobee in its prime. Yeah, it seems like Okeechobee is a very temperamental lake uh, in the winter. Yep, yep. And it always seems, anytime a big event comes down, it always seems to be on the cold front. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we bring it with us. Don't Don't worry. It's planned. <laughs> we would never go to Okeechobee and just have it be nice the whole time. Gosh, could you imagine? <laughs> Terrible. That'd be crazy. <laughs> um, growing up fishing, like who were some of your who were some of the folks that you gravitated towards? Because you know you started doing the YouTube thing. Like it occurs to me that maybe you know I don't know maybe uh, John Cox and Scott Martin, or I guess I'm trying to think maybe it's other. Like, maybe your idols weren't pros, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, growing up, I, you know, the one angler that I really looked looked to when I was a little bit younger was Jacob Wheeler, just because he had accomplished so good. much at, at a young age, um, and I wanted to get into it pretty early, and and uh, at 21, he won the Forcewood Cup, and then working his way up, did really well for himself, but yeah, as far as the YouTube and social media side of things, you know, Scott Martin's obviously built a huge channel, um, Brian Latimer good friend of mine. I'm actually traveling with Brian this year. So he's helped me a lot too on, on the social media side of things and how to market myself a little bit better. Yeah. I think you beat him at Rayburn too, right? <laughs> I did. I did. Are you going to keep a little tally there? Cause I mean, he's like won a tour event. Like that's pretty big time, but you know, you could probably like make some check marks if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We might keep a little bit of a tally, but, uh, no, it's all in good fun. Cool. I like it. Was it, you know, getting this room with him at Rayburn and this year, like, do you think, you know, going on the road with someone as experienced as he is, is going to help you? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. He, uh, he brings a lot of experience to the table, um, fishing wise and just kind of the traveling thing too. Like he had booked our Airbnb for us and, uh, typically I would just show up probably the night before the first day of practice and just get on the water in the morning up, but he's like, no, you got to get there the day before, get settled in, know everything is in town, get your groceries and everything. And, uh, so that's what we did. And that's definitely a big help doing that. Yeah. And he's got like a kind so of just, whole operation set up too. Like he's, you he know, does, he's got yeah. a little more than the average uh, guy going on there. Yeah. Yeah. He's got it all pretty down pat though. Yeah, for sure. But I do think, I mean, I think you're, he's right. Like, I don't know if you'd ever been to Rayburn before, but if if you're picking, no. <laughs> if you're trying to decide where where to launch or how to get to a boat ramp, it's probably better to do it the day before in the daylight than the day of in the mm. dark. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that that extra day before practice, just to kind of get settled in, uh, you know, get some last minute rods set up, just find where everything is, find where you can park your boat at the at the Airbnb and stuff like that. It just makes the rest of the week go by a lot smoother. Cool. Cool. Um, well, let me go ahead and I've got a set of rookie questions here and I'll roll through them real quick. And then if I have some other ideas or you have some other ideas, we'll close this thing out. How's that sound? Let's do it. All right. Uh, number one, what is your favorite lake? 
favorite lake. It kind of goes back and forth between Okeechobee and, and Kissimmee. Uh, I do pretty well on both of those lakes. I would have to say probably Kissimmee. Okay. Do you like it just because you have, it seems like there's just such a variety of mats to flip there. Like you've got a lot of, you got hydrilla, you've got like all the various sort of floating kind of things. You've got reeds, like it seems like you'd like that. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff that you can flip out there and, and do it all all year long and, and be pretty successful. All right. What's the biggest smallmouth you've caught? <laughs> biggest smallmouth I caught was four and a half pounds. Uh, I went up to Minnesota last summer because uh, I'd never really smallmouth fish. I'd, I'd caught a few small ones here and there, fishing some stuff in Tennessee, uh, but I'd never really specifically targeted smallmouth. So <laughs> before I ended up making the decision to fish pro circuit, I wanted to go up there and, and kind of get a little bit of smallmouth experience under my belt. So four and a half is the biggest up there in Minnesota. Hopefully we'll break it a little bit later this year on the pro circuit. Yeah, I think uh, you'll ha- probably have an opportunity to improve that. Uh, if not at Champlain, yeah. <laughs> certainly at the title, uh, if you make that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, what's your biggest largemouth? This one I'm, I've got high hopes for. Yeah, this one's a little bit bigger. My biggest largemouth is 11-2. Golly. That's amazing. How did you catch it? Uh, that one was on the rattle trap. Holy smokes. I was hoping you'd say shiner, honestly. I was like, yeah, give it to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I've actually, I've never caught a big fish on a shiner. Dude, the one big fish I caught on a shiner I didn't get to catch because we were filming a shiner video with John Cox, which is like an amazing thing to do. I was having a blast. Yeah. And we were trying to like, you know, get a bite and make a video. And so we're both, John and I are on the front deck, like long lining shiners behind the boat. And I have like one bite. I'm like, oh, this is a big one. And I flip, I, I, I open the bale and I hand it over to John. I'm like, here you go. Let's make this video. It's like an eight pounder. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> why, why couldn't it have been like a, a four pounder? You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, that's the, uh, that's my biggest shiner fish. And I handed it off to John. <laughs> um, what's your biggest spotted bass? Biggest spotted bass. I think it was like about a four and a half on Lake Lanier. Okay, dude, Lanier is a cool place. Yeah, I really um, like Lanier. We had a we had a BFL regional there. I think that was in twenty twenty. I actually ended up making a top ten on that one. Um, first time I ever been there, but that was really cool catching those spotted bass. Yeah, that's an impressive thing to roll up from Florida and make a top ten at Lanier too, because they uh, are not very similar, I would say. Yeah, they're not at all. I'd actually, I'd just gotten live scope on my boat. Um, I didn't really need it down here in Florida, but whenever I qualified to fish that region, I was like, yeah, I should probably get it. And uh, so that was the first time I ever used live scope was up there on Lanier, fishing brush piles, ended up making a top 10 doing it. Sweet. Um, What's your favorite technique? Uh, I would have to say punching mats with throwing a frog in a very close second. Yeah, there's something special. Both of those are just amazing bites. Like, I love a frog bite, and I love, like, sort of the mystery in a mat bite because, like, mm-hmm. you sometimes you see, like, the whole mat move, sometimes you don't, and you just pull. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah, yeah, those two things are pretty fun. Uh, what's your favorite food, and then what's your favorite boat snack? Favorite food? Can't go wrong with a good steak. Um, 
favorite boat snack. I always bring beef jerky and protein bars out there with me. There we go. Do you have any uh, superstitions? No, I have, I have zero superstitions. Okay. Um, do you have any weaknesses? What's your What's your weakest fishing technique? Weakest fishing technique? Probably deep cranking, ledge fishing probably. I, I don't have too much experience fishing the ledges. Uh, so I'd say probably ledge fishing. But, I mean, really, I feel like if I can get on a, a group of fish, I, I really don't have an issue throwing really anything at them. I feel like I can pick up anything and catch them. I like it. Um, what's your favorite music? Favorite music? I listen to a lot of country music. There we go. And then these are our two knot questions. What do you use for your braid to fluoro leader knot? And then do you snell or not when you flip? Yeah, so braid the leader, I just tie the Alberto knot. I don't even know how to tie that FG knot. It just seems way too complicated. And I've had pretty good luck with the Alberto, so I just stick with that. It's really easy to tie. I can tie it up in 20 seconds on the water. Uh, sure. And then, yeah, I do snell. I snell when I'm punching. Uh, when I'm just flipping, I don't snell. I pretty much only if, if I'm like an ounce and a half plus, I'll snell. Uh, anything less than an ounce and a half, I'll just tie a polymer on there. All right, cool. I think that's. It seems like that's a, a thing that a lot of people do. Like it seems like there's somewhere in that weight spectrum of, an ounce plus, guys lean pretty hard towards snelling. Yeah, and I really there's really no science behind it in my mind. Just kind of what I've had the best success doing. And then, what is the deepest bass you've ever caught? Deepest bass. Probably on Lanier. I was catching some out of 40 foot. I would say that's probably the deepest I ever caught one. That's pretty deep. That works. Uh, we had some guys who had like caught them at like 70 and 80 and 90 feet out at like the Ozarks and stuff like that. And I kind of figured that was probably not going to be the case for you. But <laughs> that's, yeah, uh, yeah, I haven't fished all too many lakes that are really that deep. So <laughs> yeah, that would be like under the bottom in 90 yeah. percent of the lakes in Florida. <laughs> Yeah, about the deepest we get 25, and that's only on really deep lakes. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's a really, it's a whole different ball game down there. Not that it can't translate over, because you see plenty of successful pros come out of Florida. But, man, if you grow up fishing anywhere else, and, you know, you're your lakes all have contours and stuff like that. And like, you're used to depth changes and things. And then you get to Florida and you're like, literally it's all flat. What's, what's the deal here? How do I decide where to go? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of something I've had to learn is like looking at those contour lines on lakes outside of Florida. Cause down here, it's not really something that we have to deal with and study. You just go to whatever looks good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, well, man, I think I've probably got pretty much everything we need. I indefinitely, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how Harris shakes out, how the rest of the year shakes out, because it seems like you're off to a pretty good start, especially, you know, taking the two events. Uh, and I feel like going to Harris should be right in your wheelhouse. Um, you have anything you want to plug or uh, let us know uh, on the way out here? Obviously, you've got YouTube, but there's other social media too, right? Yeah, definitely check out my YouTube channel. It's, you can find it by just searching my name, Christian Greco. Uh, Instagram, Sea Greco Fishing, and uh, those are the two that I'm most active on is, is YouTube and Instagram. Cool. Well, uh, Christian, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it, and uh, 
obviously you're driving now, safe drive, and uh, we'll see you down in Florida here in not too long. All right, sounds good, Jody. I'll see you down there on Harris Chain. Okay, so Kyle, we're back, and I guess the uh, first thing we need to talk about is uh, the Toyota Series event on Rayburn, which, you know, we just had a tournament at Rayburn, but we had another one. Um, we're back, so, baby. <laughs> yeah. Rayburn, get used to us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it is, actually. Um, this was actually kind of a cool tournament, I would say. Um, yeah. You the know, fishing was a, pretty solid. Yeah, the fishing was good. Uh, there were like 220 some odd boats. Uh, the fishing day two was particularly good. Uh, we saw a lot of big weights then. Um, and uh, Glenn Webb won it. Uh, he outdueled Derek Mundy, Dakota Ebear, you know, Chris Wilson, Brett Cannon, like a bunch of dudes with Texas addresses. Uh, yeah. He came out on top. Um, but anyway, Webb had 26.15 on day one. He had 28. Five on day two, uh, which is a lot in case you were wondering. <laughs> um, and then he had four for eight pounds, eight ounces on the final day uh, for a 63.12 total. He was basically live scoping fish with an A-rig the entire tournament. Which um, is pretty sweet. Yeah, it's honestly pretty awesome. <laughs> he was making like short casts to him. If you watch, if you, well not watch, but if you look at the photos, like, there's very few times where he's, like, winding up to chuck it. Like Yeah, it's like a making, little, just a light lob. Yeah, he's making, like, wobs and pitches with this A-rig to these fish. Um, and uh, crushed on the first couple days. And then it got really windy the final day. In my experience, wind and live scope is a very difficult combination. Um, <laughs> I think uh, some other folks would agree, probably. Uh, and also, he was in an aluminum boat, which is... With no poles, by the way, which is really a huge point in his favor <laughs> um, from my perspective. But anyway, he did just enough on that last day. He had 63-12, Derek Mundy got 26, 19, 15, 11, and he had 61-14 total. So, uh, you know, basically snuck out a dub over Mundy on Rayburn, which is a pretty impressive thing to do, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, really, especially the way it started, you know, looking at Mundy sitting right behind him, a couple ounces back, uh, you're like, oh, baby, like, no offense to Glenn Webb, uh, but, you know, it's like what, the first pro tournament he's fished with us. I mean, he's only fished like two or three, yeah. and, uh, yeah, to roll down to Rayburn with uh, Mundy behind you, and, uh, you know, later on in the event, like Chris Wilson Dropped a big bag on day two. Uh, Dakota Bear caught 29 on yeah, day like, two. <clears throat> it was, uh, that's an intimidating place to, to do that. So uh, he definitely built up enough cushion. And like you said, he did just enough to get by on the final day. And that's all that mattered. Yeah, it was definitely, it, it was cool. It, it was a, a cool win. That final day, obviously, it would have been, you know, better if uh, he had like, it would have been probably better for him if he just crushed him, but he got the win regardless. Um, and uh, uh, one thing I liked was how many ways there were to catch fish. You know, um, like uh, if you look at the, uh, I'm trying to think, like if you look at how guys caught him, you know, Webb was throwing an A-rig, he was live scoping. 
Uh, Cannon was live scoping with an A-Rig 2 mostly. I think Mundy was a really efficient, like really traditional Rayburn. You know, he was throwing a trap mostly. Yep. And maybe a chatterbait and like fishing shallow grass. Uh, Dakota was mostly fishing offshore uh, from what I understand. You know, pretty much fishing deep, throwing a Carolina rig, throwing a crankbait, like doing Rayburn stuff. And uh, there was room for like, kind of a lot of stuff in that top 10. Yeah, it was kind of all over the board. Like you scroll through um, top 10 baits. I mean, it's everything from flukes to like kind of mag trickworm looking things, chatterbaits, squarebills, traps, jigs, A-rigs, deep plugs. I mean, it, it is a pretty uh, eclectic group of baits in that top 10. Yeah, very, very much, which is kind of fun. You know, we've seen it. It was definitely, uh, it seems like the last few times, maybe not the last few times, but these last two Rayburn tournaments, like, not that there have been any big surprises in the top 10 necessarily, but there's been a pretty good variety of ways to get bit. Like, you could do well doing different things. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's like a lot more interest. It's, it's a lot more interesting than you know, a Great Lake smallmouth tournament uh, where basically everyone just throws <laughs> a drop shot. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think it's, uh, I think it's fun. Uh, what else? I feel like there was something else uh, I wanted to bring up, but maybe it was just those big bags. Maybe it was just a Cole Moore? 29. Cole Moore. 11.15 on day two that was his giant. big fish. How about old Moina catching an 8-10 on day one? Okay, but hear me out. How about Cole Moore? He caught an 11-15. <laughs> Dude, actually, Jim Moina did really good in that tournament, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah he, he finished, finished 13th. 13th. He crushed him. Yeah, right behind LeBrun. Yep. Uh, still cannot get that B to capitalize correctly on our website. I have no idea why. Uh, well, um, so, so maybe in 2023 we'll get it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, also, you know, Evan Barnes caught him again. Yeah, um, he did. Not that we, as we've mentioned, Evan Barnes has us on notice. We are Barnes believers now. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, he's uh, still doing things. Um, dude, Cole Moore though, he caught that big one on an umbrella rig, live scoping. Oh. Could you imagine? <laughs> oh man! Dude, could, could you imagine seeing that fish and then throwing your a rig and watching it eat it like? Oh, God, I would that, die. No, that'd be insane. That'd be absolutely yeah. insane. I would... It would be amazing. <laughs> oh, man, that's a dream, dude. Oh. I want to catch a 12-pounder yes, on an A-rig. Yeah. I just want to catch a 12-pounder now. After yeah, talking really. with Randy Howell, dude, I'm... I need an 11. I need a 12. Like, let's go. <laughs> Bring me some double digits. Maybe I'll stay an extra day in Florida and be like, Hey, John, you got to take me to a 12-pounder. I don't, I'll use anything to catch it. Shiners. Here we go. Let's go. You know <laughs> He'd I mean? be all for it. He would. <clears throat> he probably is like, yeah, we'll go to the St. John's and we'll kill all of them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fillet them and we'll have a beautiful yeah. dinner. Yeah, we are going to grill these bass. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, it was, it, it was a pretty good derby. There were some really big fish. That day two, dude, for whatever reason, they bit. That was a good yeah, day to they be were, on Yeah, they were Rayburn. chomping. 
Um, I guess the next thing is to probably talk about the Toyota series at Gunnersville. Would you say? Yeah. Uh, also of note for that Gunnersville one, uh, it's a midweek derby. Uh, would yeah. be one of the highlights I think to point out. I think the highlights are the midweek, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, going at the same time as the Bass Pro Tour event on Lake Fork. So, you know, uh, MajorLeagueFishing.com could be pretty busy. Could be Definitely. not happening. Also going at the same time as the College Fishing Open at Lake Chickamauga, in case you were curious. Oh, uh, yeah, because Thursday is the start of the Open, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Now, could you say we're having too many tournaments? Maybe. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I think this is a great number of tournaments. One, one could make an argument. <laughs> you know, theoretically, you could say that we're having too many tournaments. But, oh, the other kind of wild thing about that uh, Toyota Series event is that there's 330 dudes in it. Oh, yeah, it's just a stupid field size. Yeah, which is actually probably, I, I, I assume it's our record, and I also am pretty sure we're never going to run a tournament that big again because... It's like our max field size is like technically like 260 or something. And so we kind of aren't supposed to be running a tournament that big. <laughs> um, but, dude, first place in that derby, 80 grand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh... before, before any contingency money. So yep. that's a cool thing. And they'll probably, like, they should catch them pretty good. I think, I mean, I guess probably some of it is weather dependent, but dude, I think, you know, I think the end of February, beginning of March on Gunnersville should be pretty good, especially if the weather's not terrible. You know, like there should be a lot of what, 13 to let's say 12 to 16 pound bags caught. I feel like, Mm -hmm. you know, there should be like, you should be able to go and grind around in that grass and catch pretty decent limits i would think so i'm just looking at the forecast here it's like a little cool the next couple days there but like tuesday chance of storm 72 wednesday 67 but the lows overnight are like in the 50s and then thursday uh 68 chance of rain pretty much every day of the event but warmer uh than the weather on either side of it so who knows i think it could be good but yeah i bet Uh, i bet we'll see some uh Man, uh, who do we have? Uh, Justin and Christian Caldwell, new guy, new guy working it. Yeah. Uh, hopefully this doesn't turn out to be one of those events uh, <laughs> like the one you worked, where everyone was trying to weigh like a five pounder for big fish. Yeah, dude, that was like that was the most amazing year because like thrift caught huge bags, I think. Uh, I remember Trevor Fitzgerald caught like 12 on an A-Rig one day. Jeez. Cameron Gottney was like killing them. It was a, it was an amazing tournament. But at the end of that weigh-in, that weigh-in went so long because like everybody was like, yeah, I got a five and a half pounder. Let's weigh it for Big Bass. I got a six and a half pounder. Let's weigh it for Big Bass. And I'm like, buddy, if you don't have 23 pounds, I don't care. Get out of here. Because they were just crushing them. And I think those were the good old days of Gunnersville. I don't expect to see, like, weights like that anymore. Sure. Certainly Alex Davis wouldn't expect to see those weights, uh, I don't think. But, you know, sometimes, man, you hit those spring derbies right. There was a college derby. It was either last year or two years ago where everyone crushed them on Gunnersville. 
And there was, remember the Alabama Bass Trail on Pickwick a few years ago? Oh, yeah. Where, like, everyone lit them on fire? Like, you know, like, you can catch lightning in a bottle on the Tennessee River in the spring. Like, it can get, for whatever reason, it can be really, really good. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it because, one, I kind of like the midweekness of it. That'll be kind of fun. And uh, I kind of like... I, I'm kind of curious to see how this ultimate giant, uh, you know, field goes. I am also, I guess Fork will be cool too. I'm also looking forward to the college fishing open because one, we have a super crack team there, and two, I just love a college derby. Yeah, and they should catch them too, uh, which I guess we hadn't mentioned. That's over on uh, Chickamauga or up yeah, on, it's Chickamauga. on Chickamauga. Um, yeah, Chickamauga, it's on the 24th and 25th. Uh, should be, you know, pretty dope, I would imagine. Uh, I, I mean, it's a good time of year to fish chick. Somebody's going to probably catch a 10-pounder. Yeah. Basically, what we're saying is, if you're into big fish, like pictures of big fish, uh, next week is going to be the place you want to be uh, on MajorLeagueFishing.com. Because between the Bass Pro Tour on Fork, Gunnersville, and Chick, yeah, it's a lot going on there. Yeah. <clears throat> um, let's see. What else do we want to touch on? I guess kind of some BFL time, right? Yeah, we had a couple of them this past weekend. And I guess, um, I'll, I suppose I'll just get rolling. The first one I had pulled up here was the one on Hartwell, which I think was a South Carolina division. I would guess it was. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, but Derek Bridges won that, 16 pounds, 12 ounces. Um, said he basically just fished uh, history. He's got a lot of experience on the lake. Um, didn't have a whole lot of practice. Caught him on a half ounce uh, green pumpkin war eagle, heavy finesse jig uh, with either a Zoom Speed Craw or Super Chunk Jr. Uh, but I like the quote of, uh, but I don't think they were real important. When it comes to the uh, the chunk, I appreciated that the, as well. <laughs> the trailer he chose, yeah, uh, that was good. Good quote. Also, uh, he uh, utilized forward-facing sonar. No uh, way on Lake Hartwell. Yeah, yeah. Which then I was like, hey, that's you know kind of fun with the jig, but he was fishing brush, so you know he could identify the brush, make a cast with his jig, and uh, if he didn't get bit, move on to the next one. He also. Um, he only won by like a couple ounces, like six ounces. Like it was a, the weight's actually, uh, you said it before we started recording, very Hartwell E, uh, in that, you know, decent weights, pretty stacked, uh, you know, like ounces separated, really, I guess a pound separated sixth to first. Uh, so, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty all right. And a six and a half pounder was big fish. Yeah, no, definitely uh, not a bad Hartwell tournament. Um, I guess maybe where was Jamie Rampy for this event? What's the situation? Because I don't yeah. see him in the top ten. Do you think he was at the open? Down he at might Toho? have been at the open. We're gonna do a quick command F here. <laughs> Ooh, he finished fifteenth. <laughs> Whoa, he was what? here. Uh, below our boy Bradford Beavers, who finished twelfth. Oh. Um, 
Anyway, when I talked to Bradford totally last week, us, apparently. Bradford uh, was driving to go get uh, a new axle for his boat. So uh, apparently he got it all figured out and was able to catch fish. So good job, Bradford. Nice. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Boats don't really need axles. Those are usually for the trailer. Or, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. His trailer <laughs> needed an axle. He went and picked it up and uh, good to go. Yeah, back in action. I like it. Um, let's see. Another one, BFL we had was uh, on Lake Hamilton. Uh, this was an Archie Division event. Um, Brian Bean won the event. He had, uh, let's see, 17-15 and apparently caught his fish uh, on an umbrella rig uh, around Brush, which is uh, basically exactly what you would expect to uh, have happen, I suppose. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and then there was one other one uh, that we had on Toho, and uh, Garrett Rakamura won that. He had 18.8, and he ran down to Kissimmee and uh, caught his fish there in Hydrilla mostly. Yeah, pretty uh and apparently quote casting pads which is not a thing <laughs> we, we, we don't think <laughs> yeah. it's a thing <laughs> yeah I don't, uh, but I don't anyway. think that's really a deal but okay yeah there were some pads involved uh, and mm-hmm. some hydrilla involved which i guess is kind of the deal with florida you know yeah also chris chris new finished fifth and is officially on a roll on the uh, kasumi chain and it's a wild thing to say yeah, it uh, blew my mind. Uh, but also, shout out to Arnie Lane, um, brother of Chris and Bobby, for, uh, you know, snatching him up pretty good. Definitely, brother. We figured that out. Yeah, I'm going. Yep, I'm going with it. Okay, cool. All right, I'm fine with that. Oh, my goodness. Dice K. Aoki, my guy. Four for seven, five. This guy's won how many Angler of the Year titles in Japan, like I was talking about? Seven million? And you can't catch five? Come on, dude! Hey, man. Uh, Killing the fantasy squad. <laughs> yeah, it... Uh... Oh, by the way, Arnie is the oldest brother, in case you're curious. Oh, wow. Man, I wonder if it kind of sucks that his younger brothers are so much better at fishing than he is. He apparently... Uh, I found an article that says he does... He runs the family's, like polyurethane business oh so he might make a lot more money than they do yeah <laughs> okay He's, he might be like no actually this is a okay boys uh it's polyurethane rubber lining uh business which they service the phosphate and amusement park industries huh it's like pools maybe this was from a couple years think... ago but you know yeah i guess in my head i don't really understand what that does but I will worry about it later, I suppose. Yeah. Apparently, he doesn't need to worry about catching bass. So, you know, good and on him. Good, uh, good for him, I suppose. Um, Let's see. What else do we need to uh, hit on here? Uh, Man, that's probably it from a tournament standpoint. For now, we can exhale. Uh take a little breath before we will have to rattle off a bunch more in the coming weeks. But, uh, yep. I guess otherwise, like, dude, you've been crushing lake trout, uh, through the ice, which is pretty sweet. 
I have been. It's been so fun. And I'm glad we're doing this in this order because I'm going to go on a Lake Bombazine related rant at the end of this episode. Yes. Uh, so I, we need to me to talk some more than for you to talk and then for me to just kill everybody at the end. So sorry yep. about that, folks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get it. <laughs> um, let's get it rolling. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, dude, it's super fun. I had not fished for Lake Trout prior to this year, but I said, uh, you know, I was like, hey, I'm going to go catch Lake Trout through the ice on Champlain. And uh, I went out and I did it. And I used Mega Live and I watched them come up and eat it and swim around and do all sorts of things. And it's amazing. I'm never going to, I don't, I'm ruined for ice fishing. Like, I, oh, I yeah. mean, I, obviously I would go sit on a lake and watch tip-ups or jig for crappie or something. But, like, I don't even, like, I know I could go out and catch smallmouth through the ice on Champlain right now. And I don't mm-hmm. even really want to do that because they don't move as fast or fight <laughs> as good as lake trout. Like, that's, I'm, I'm all in on these trout, man. They are way fun. Well, and, uh, you know, to your point, especially for folks listening that may not, uh, you know, know a whole lot about ice fishing, but you're right. Like most of, most of the stuff you catch the ice is pretty grumpy that there is ice <laughs> above their head. Uh, they would prefer so, it not be there. Yeah. Very sluggish. Uh, I mean, you could still like you hook a small mouth, they still fight not anywhere near as good as open water, but you know, they'll pull a little bit or a big pike or something, but dude, lake trout and trout in general, but more specifically lake trout, they are hyped that it's cold. Like they love it. Yeah uh they're they're ecstatic fans you have a you have a really cool video you put on instagram of uh your screen being recorded um of your mega live and uh, i think you reeled up right and then the trout showed up is that how that went yeah so like that one i think what i had so there's like two fish in that clip there's one where you see what i actually think is three fish coming from the side and there's the other one where my bait's really high in the water column and mm-hmm. then the fish comes in. Oh, okay. And I think for that one, I, I don't know if I was, like, reeling up to check it or if I was just, like, reeling up to bring it all the way up and then drop it down again. But, you know, that fish got interested in that bait when it was, you know, 25 feet off the bottom. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, they're like, they're cool, man. It was cool. Dude, I had one, uh, one of the days, you know you basically like they'll follow it and chase it all the way up to the hole in from 30 feet of water. So they're moving a pretty good distance. And Mm -hmm. I had one eat it when my leader knot was in the guides of my rod. Like that's how close to the hole. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's amazing. Um, Yeah. They have like no fear. Yeah. And I've seen videos where like guys, you know, sight fish them kind of like where you have a big cutout and you and whatnot. And I, I don't have that set up and dialed in, but I could see how you could get that and how awesome it could be. Yeah, but the f- forward-facing sonar or, like, live imaging um, seems like it'd be a really cool way to, to catch lake trout. The times I've fished for them, you know, I've just had a flasher, and they move around so much. And a lot of times you're in pretty deep water, so your cone angle is actually covering, a, you know, several feet of the water column you know, I guess, or your cone angle is that big. Uh, but you don't really, it's not like you ever like see them sitting there for a while and you're able to drop down to them. You just get like little glimpses of them. Uh, but again, just watching, you know, some of that stuff 
uh, on Instagram you had, like, it's kind of cool because you could see, like, oh, there's a trout, you know, way off to the left here or, or um, you know, one kind of flicker by and you can start jigging and you have a little more awareness of the fact that, you know, you should jig around for one. But uh, also their willingness to go, like, 30 feet to hit a bait or more uh, is also pretty dope. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, it's I, like, I'm going to go this weekend. It's awesome. You know, I just can't, uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I cannot imagine like a more fun thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, uh, everyone needs a little lake trout through the ice in their lives. Now, a lot of people are probably also hearing that going, there's no chance I do. Trust me, you do. It's awesome. Yeah, it's... I hadn't done it before. I'm looking forward to it, like, to doing it more. It's very cool. Jody's all in on ice. I remember years ago when you were like, yeah, I don't... Uh, I got rid of my ice fishing stuff. I don't have nothing. I don't I don't even want to think about ice fishing anymore. Now look at you. Yeah. Walking around on ice, carrying 18 inches worth of graph screen around. I will say, though, I've been thinking about bass fishing more, and I'm like, man, I'm about done with this ice fishing thing. <laughs> <laughs> you did catch some smallmouths, too, right? Like, for a bass-related note. Um, yeah. One of yep. your recent trips? I did, and I actually caught them in a place that I had not fished before, but looked exactly like they should be there, and they were. So, I put a waypoint in, and I'll keep that, and I'm going to catch them there next fall. Heck, yeah. Uh, like, well, probably this spring, too. Um, Doing a little homework. Yeah, so I learned a new thing. I will say, you know, one of the things that I love to do when I fish is to, like, just spend, like, an hour or so just idling and, like, trying to find the next boulder. Because I feel like knowing where boulders are never really goes out of style when it comes to smallmouth. Yep. And you can't really idle for boulders through the ice. (laughs) It's just not very efficient. <laughs> no, no. You can, like, you know, set, you can twirl your, uh, you know, twirl the live around and, like, take a scan. But, uh, man, it doesn't, doesn't quite do it. No, it, it pays to have your homework done before the lake freezes over. Uh, makes life a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. Which I'm looking forward to because I think... So, AJ Saloon is going to come up this weekend. I think we're going to fish... Uh, one of the days we were thinking about Saturday, but I'm looking at the weather. I'm kind of thinking maybe I should tell him to come Sunday instead, but we'll either way point being Eli. Don't even think about it. That cat is fine. <laughs> uh, anyway, point being, I think that we're going to get on some smallmouth too. Cause why not? Heck yeah, man. Might as well. Exactly. They're an unlimited resource in Champlain. Basically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, what about what about you? What have you been uh, what have you been catching? Uh the uh basically you're been fishing some uh farm ponds uh around here in Iowa and uh your standard issue farm pond uh has bluegills, catfish and largemouths in it. Uh channel catfish I should denote. And uh let me tell you, I've been crushing the slam uh the Iowa farm pond slam pretty much every time uh one of the ponds i fished did have crappies so throw that in the mix now i got the you know the holy grail of iowa farm ponds 
but uh, like nothing crazy. The crappies uh, in this particular pond I was fishing get pretty big, like 16, 17 inches, you know, a couple pounds plus big. And uh, we were catching them in like five feet of water, like a foot down below the ice, which was pretty trippy because you're basically just sight fishing them at that point through a eight inch hole and you just watch a crappie swim in eat your spoon or uh you know caught some bluegills doing that caught a couple large mouse doing that uh which was pretty sweet like i haven't got a i've done that a few times in minnesota like way late ice like very end of march when they start getting real shallow like almost in the areas that they're going to start spawning you know if you have a big pencil reed bed and seven feet of water like those crappies will sit kind of right out in front of that you can sight fish them that way but yeah i was just like standing up staring down the hole jigging a pink spoon and all of a sudden you'd see crappie swim in and stare at your spoon for a second eat it the pink would disappear and set the hook and catch a crappie i did lose a real big crappie at the hole um like she swam in i knew it was big it ate the spoon and the second i hooked it she turned broadside and basically hit the bottom of the hole uh, and then since her head was off to the side, uh, when she turned to run, the spoon came out and that was a little, uh, that was not good because that was a large crappie, but yeah, that's kind of the extent of, uh, been just wearing out the pound and a half bass, pound and a half, two pounds, maybe caught one that was like sort of close to three, but I haven't really been trying for them. They're just like a, it's a bycatch. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hear you. Um, I feel like. Of those uh, fish, what what's your preference to catch? Honestly, like, bluegills from a fighting standpoint uh, are pretty sweet. Like, they fight really hard, and they, and a lot of these ponds down here, they're super fertile, so the bluegills get, well, everything will get pretty big, but the bluegills get, you know, like, you got a shot in an 11-plus incher, which is a giant bluegill. Um, I really like catching those, and I like catching the big crappies. Catfish is kind of cool. Uh, my buddy and I... Uh, got on a pretty cool they were suspended over the the creek channel in like 20 it's like 23 feet deep but they were like 15 to 18 feet down and uh i thought they were crappies turned out to be a bunch of big frisky channel cats well not big but whatever we'll say two to five pounds uh which is pretty fun on you know light kind of panfish gear dude you know how catfish like do that roll thing when you catch them in uh uh in oh, open yeah. water do they do that through the ice, too? Oh, yeah. Like, you know immediately <laughs> if it's a kitty. You know, okay. also I, you get, I don't like, know if I've big, ever caught one through the ice. <laughs> big, slow head shakes. But, yeah, then they'll start tumbling around. And you're like, oh, yeah, here we go. Here we go. Cool. Cool. That's neat. That's – I feel like, you know, whatever you're – you know, if you're catching a catfish on whatever rod you're using for, you know, bluegill and stuff like that and panfish, like, you're probably having a pretty good time. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, uh, you know, again, considering uh, I don't, I haven't been out fishing a whole lot really, like, any time of the year, uh, you get a tug into one of those, it's kind of cool. Nice. Makes you feel like a Um, kid again. Yeah. Hey, this is a side note. Uh, I I, I just started thinking about it. What pound test do you think I should be using for a liter for these lake trout? Because I've been using 10, but I broke one off at the hole the other day. And I think I'm going to go up to 12. Do you have an yeah, opinion on that? I'd say you could do like 12 or 15. Yeah, whatever, 15. I guess, whatever brand you run. I, I know guys, 15. like guys when they, 
um, Fish Superior or Lake of the Woods, uh, you know, and you got a shot at like big lake trout, guys will run like 17. But oh wow, that's like the top. I don't. Yeah, I don't think the Champlain's lake trout get that big. You know, I I think that like you might catch a 10 pounder, but I don't think like it's a common thing at all. Yeah, I think I think, I think you absolutely go up to 12 without any issues. All right. Well, we'll go to 12. I'll see what else I got kicking around in my line box. I might I might go a little bit more. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, you could go or like a 14 or you know whatever something like that. Though the water's clear, cool. I wouldn't say they're like super line shy. Yeah. No, I, I I would agree with that. They seem to be. It seems like they get it pretty good. One thing I've noticed is I've been catching them on a fluke. It seems to me that they eat the fluke a lot better than a swim bait. I think because if you reel a swim bait up and you reel a fluke up, if you watch it, the fluke comes up like spiraling on a jig yep. head. And the swim bait just comes straight up because it's got the tail that drags it. I think they like that extra motion. I think that, like, you know, I think guys catch them on tubes a lot. And I think that's probably why. Yeah, yeah. I would say that has something to do with it for sure. Um, yeah, so that's a that's a uh, side note um, that I've uh, noticed or you know been thinking about anyway. Jody's trout tip of the week. Yeah, absolutely, and you know I me, mean, I'm a trout expert, so. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyhow, what uh, any other fishing stuff we want to cover here, or is it time for me to talk about grass? No, dude, I think it's time for you to uh, rant away. All right. First of all, I'm going to try not to rant too much because, you know, I want to remain uh, calm, cool, and collected, etc. That said, the Lake Bombazine Association officially submitted their permit application to use herbicide in Lake Bombazine. Uh, it went through, like, the admin process uh, yesterday on the 16th. Um, it's now in, like, a draft application, essentially, or something like that. Um, there's not, a, there's going to be a public comment period, but there it's, it's not open yet. Um, rest assured when it is, I'll let folks know. <laughs> um, in the meantime, however, uh, there are a few things that people should do. Uh, the first thing they should do is I would like you to contact governor Phil Scott. Uh, I don't care if you live in Vermont or not. I want to annoy him regardless. I love it. Um, and I would like you to tell him that you are not in favor of herbicide use in any lake, really, but especially in Lake Bombazine. Um, and it's actually super easy to do. Uh, if you go to, it's governor.vermont.gov slash contact, or if you just Google it, it pops up. You can send him an email super fast. Um, and there's a phone number, which is 802 828 3333 uh, again that's 802-828-3333 and a nice old lady will answer the phone maybe not old a nice lady answers the phone (laughs) and I don't think that you need to like go on an extremely long rant and yell at this person because I don't think it's really their job to be yelled at or I think they would prefer not to be sure but I think you can absolutely call and say hey I would like to register the opinion of this and then they'll ask where you're from and you'll tell them and 
you know, maybe from if you're from out of state, be like, you know, I'm from here, and you know, I like to go fishing other places, and uh, you know, Vermont's a place I've always wanted to go fish, but if the fishing is bad because all the grass is dead, maybe I don't want to do that. Theoretically. Mm-hmm. Kyle, have you called the governor yet? I have not. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you again tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, then next week too. <laughs> Vermont. Because um, they're uh, they seem they seem nice, and we need to do everything we possibly can. Uh, we there was the the first Zoom meeting for the Lake Association was a couple of weeks ago. It was interesting. They've actually hired. I may be rehashing some stuff too uh, that folks heard last time. They have actually already hired a lobbyist, uh, supposedly uh, not so much not to push the permit through necessarily, but to find money for how for for like further management of the lake with whatever they do. That may or may not be true. It was not the lobbyist was not hired with like the full support or knowledge of the membership of the Lake Bombazine Association. Like, a few people were like, hey, let's hire a lobbyist and spend some money on it. So, you know, Ooh. that's great. Um, anyway, I remain fired up about this. Um, and uh, I would like everyone else listening to remain fired up as well. He, uh, The governor is Phil Scott, you said? Yep. Oh, yeah. Already, I went to uh, the, like governor.vermont.gov or whatever. Uh, I just Googled it. I'm already yeah, it's to a, it comes right up. Send an email to uh, Governor Phil Scott and my message starts with, Dear Mr. Scott. There you go. I just call him Phil because you know we're buddies. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're not actually. I've never met the guy, but um, you know, uh, I, I definitely would encourage everyone to reach out to him. Um, and uh, if we, if and when we get a public comment period on this, uh, we're definitely, I would definitely like people to comment on that, I suspect. Um, we have a petition going, um, which you can find, well, really, if you Google for it, but also it's like on basically all of my social medias because this is all that I do now. <laughs> Other than work, I mean, I write a lot of BFL previews still. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and then I, I write a lot of, uh, things about why you shouldn't, you know, kill my favorite lake in the world. That's fair. Uh, so, Kyle, thank you for, again for indulging me. Oh, absolutely. How do you spell bomb? Oh, never mind. I got bombacine. All right. We're I'm making sure all my spellings are good. I'm like halfway through this email with the governor. I will finish it uh, when I hang up with you and send it off. That's what I like to see. <clears throat> that is action right there. Folks, be like Kyle. This is... Anything to help you, and anything to help fish. Well, here's the thing. I mean, we've talked about this before. But if somebody's going to catch a state record in Vermont, you know, smallmouth or largemouth, probably going to come out of Bamo. And, yeah, we wanna... you know, it's one of those, Eli, I get excited about Bombazine too, but you can chill. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those lakes that's like really... I feel like it's too special to lose. Um, and if you look at, there's a number of other lakes in Vermont that have been treated with herbicide, but the same one, uh, you know, 
Lake Dunmore is an example. Uh, Lake St. Catherine is an example. And they're not... It's not like the fishing is just terrible at them. But it's also not like it used to be. And if you look at the vegetation in the lakes, the native grass has not like gone out to just replace milfoil one-to-one. There's much less vegetation in the lakes than there is in Bombazine, which has, you know, a prolific amount of milfoil in it. Now, if I'm not, I mean, I, I'm an, I'm a bass angler. I like milfoil. If I could just flick a switch and replace milfoil with, with whatever your native grass of choice is, I'd do it in a heartbeat, right? Like I've been up Mm -hmm. in Maine and I've seen like, you know, big fields of cabbage. I bet that would be dope in Bombazine, but it's not there. And if you look at the other lakes around there, it's not in those either. So I'm very hesitant to say, hey, let's swipe off, you know, three quarters of the habitat of the lake. Because if you look at Bombazine right now and you look at uh, Dunmore or you look at St. Catherine, one of the best measures, I think, of like the health of a body of water is to look at you know, your, your bluegill, your panfish, your sort of smaller fish population. And uh, a morning on Lake Bomazine, a nice calm summer morning, you know how bluegill, like, they do that little dimple thing on the surface, like they come up and they slurp? Yeah. You'll see just huge schools of them all over the place on Bama. Like, it'll blow your mind how many bluegill are in that lake. And that's not the case on St. Catherine. Like, it's a good lake. There's There's bluegill there. Not like at Bamo. It's like three to one, four to one, five to one. Just the difference between, you know, all these healthy, delicious little morsels for largemouth and smallmouth to snack on in Bamo versus St. Catherine. And, you know, St. Catherine's the one that's got less grass. Like, it's. I'm not a scientist, but I have seen, you know, what I see for a, a, lo- a long time. Mm, um, sure. So, sure. anyway. That's where I'm. That's where I'm at, Kyle. Well, I uh, I appreciate your stick-to-itiveness uh, with it, and I hope uh, that you know, even if a couple people on here sign the petition, or email the governor, or call the governor, uh, some stuff's going to get done. Yeah, I mean, it's important to note Michael Neal signed our petition, and the four days later, I believe, or five days later, he won a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Ipso facto, you should sign the petition. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're fishing the Toyota Series event on Lake Gunnersville, you're going to want to probably do that. Yes, this is just like insurance. Like, you should sign this petition. And honestly, I don't know for sure, but I suspect that some people who have contacted the governor and who will contact the governor will go on to win tournaments this year. Mm-hmm. And. I think it's just obvious that you should put those odds in your favor and contact the governor. For sure. Um, but anyway, Kyle, it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, it has, and uh, I feel like I should have kicked off with this. Uh, I totally missed it, but happy belated birthday, Mr. Blanco. Oh, thanks. You're like super really old, old now. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Third, 31. It's ridiculous. Woof. Yeah, it's all downhill, terrible. man. It's all downhill. I hear you. <laughs> but, you know, hey, there could be a new live scope update soon. So, is it downhill really? <laughs> Wait, isn't isn't the new live scope update out already? 
I don't actually know. I, D- Dakota didn't have it, so he oh. just had videos of someone else who had it. So I'm I was, not sure. <clears throat> I was on the phone with Todd Walters uh, yesterday, and he was actually on the lake playing with his graft post-update. Do tell. Uh, he said it's awesome. Wow, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kyle, I'm going to be able to... We are talking, I mean, probably less than a month right now. It's February 17th. I was on Champlain... March 22nd or 20th last year. Like, we are legit less than a month from me being on the water, whether it's at Candlewood or Champlain, like, up north. It's ha- it's happening. Oof. We made it, dude. We made it through the winter. <laughs> we survived. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Well, folks, uh, MajorLeagueFishing.com is your home for all sorts of things. Uh, Kyle, you are Kyle Lumber on the internet. I am Jody Blanco on the internet, and uh, it's a big week of derbies. It's a big week to call the governor, and uh, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, uh, everyone, take action for Bamo. Watch hogs get caught, MajorLeagueFishing.com, and until next time, see you.